Welcome to another episode of Conversation with the Experts, a Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast. Hi, my name is Lee Chin Lim. I'm the Education Fellow and Allied Health Clinical Educator in the RCH Education Hub. Atopic dermatitis, also known as atopic eczema, affects a large proportion of children and is most common in infants. Over the past 30 years, a threefold increase in pediatric atopic dermatitis has been reported. Today, I'm speaking with Emma King, our nurse practitioner who has been employed at the Royal Children's Hospital for the past 31 years and has specialized in pediatric dermatology for 26 of these years. Emma is interested in patient and staff education and innovative workforce design. She has spent time in developing countries educating on setting up models of care for pediatric eczema and epidermolysis bullosa. Recently, Emma has joined the RCH Education Hub as an education fellow. She has interest in developing collaborative, culturally sensitive pediatric dermatology, maternal child health nurse and general practitioner education. Welcome, Emma. Thanks, Lee Chin. Well, we're going to jump right into it. So the first question is, how common is eczema in Australian children? And I think we all like to know, do they, you know, do they grow out of it? Well, it's really common and it affects about 20 to 30% of children in Victoria. In Victoria itself? In Victoria. So we have probably the worst eczema in Australia. And oh. it's probably more climate driven. Right. Um, and may have something to do with vitamin D. So half of the children will clear their eczema grow out of it by two years of age and 85% will grow out of it by five years. However, you do need to have a really good eczema management plan to enable this to happen. Yes, I can imagine. Um, so we're going to start with uncomplicated eczema. So you mentioned that a good management plan is essential to help these kids grow out of it. So what is your best treatment advice to get this under control and especially, I know that it's quite important to help the child sleep well. Yes, yeah, so itch is really a big problem in these children. And if you can imagine when you have a mozzie bite, what happens? You feel itchy. And it's especially worse when you get hot. Um, and so these children feel like they've got hundreds of mozzie bites all over their body. That's how itchy they feel. So there have been children, a lot of children, that wake every half to one hour. Oh, that's not good. No, and this not only affects quality of life of the patient, but also the family, the mother or the father are up with the child trying to help them. But it also can affect growth and development because instead of sleeping and growing, they're awake and itchy and uncomfortable. Mm. So it's really important to not only treat with topical measures, but also treat the environment. So I say to parents, it's important not just to think about what you put on, but what the child's living in, what environment. So they can't get overheated. Now, overheating to you and me is different to them. So I say to parents, you actually have to dress your child so people think you're neglecting them and you'll be reported <laughs> for, for doing the wrong thing. But I say you get a big tick from me. So they have one layer of clothes to bed throughout no the matter, whole year. No matter what the weather. No matter what the weather. These children will go to school in shorts and T-shirt the whole year and they often get stares in the street because they don't have the big woolen puffer jacket coat. 
Um, so one layer inside to bed in the car and they can put a light jacket on when they go outside, but everything should be really cotton. That's a breathable material. And we also need to think about, you know, the dry air. So the dry the air, which is we have in Victoria, also helps to dry out the skin even more. So these children need a lot of moisturiser because of that. Uh, we also need to think about prickly things. So if you think about if you sit on a woolly carpet, you might get itchy ankles. So these children are triggered off by prickly things such as tags, sand pits, carpets, woolen blankets, coats and hats. So that's why we also recommend soft, smooth fibres such as cotton. These kids also need a bath every day. A lot of the time, parents are still instructed to bathe the child every second or third day, and this is an old wife's tale. So everyday bath is really important. It's not just a bath, it's a treatment. Having a cool bath helps to decrease inflammation and therefore itch. Uh, sets them up for a nice, cool sleep. Was the concern of um, daily bath might dry their skin more? Yes, it is, and that's another old wives' tale, leaching. So the bath water is actually hydrating to the skin. So what's important is putting moisturiser on within a couple of minutes of getting out of the bath and not drying thoroughly, so trapping the water in with some moisturiser. So moisturisers are really important as well and we apply them top to toe nice and thickly um, and we put that on um, even if the eczema's clear, so as a preventative measure as well as a relieving measure of the dry skin. Yeah, so lots of moisturiser top to toe, but I want to come back to bath because I've heard you speak about leech baths before and I think I can say for myself and some parents or even health professionals who heard this method for the first time might raise an eyebrow or wonder how does this work. So can you tell us more about these leech baths? Okay, so it is hard as a clinician to tell a mother or father to go home and put White King bleach in the bath. It's also hard to tell them to not overheat them and wear one layer of clothes during the middle of winter. So they often need a lot of reassurance and to support to show that and encouragement to show that this is actually fine and it's not going to harm their child. So what I'll say to a parent is that bleach is chlorine. The bleach eczema baths, we call them, are actually just a little bit less stronger than a swimming pool. And when parents hear that, oh, yeah, well, I'll take my child for swimming, then they feel a little bit more comfortable. So why do we use bleach baths? Uh, so we know that children with eczema carry Staphylococcus aureus on the skin and it's colonised there in most children with eczema. This Staphylococcus aureus uh, causes inflammation and itch and then they scratch and they can become secondarily infected quite quickly and that's why they have um, antibiotics. But we've found in the last uh, decade or so that we've been using bleach baths that we've prescribed a lot less antibiotics, which is always good. So how often would you recommend, I know it might differ depending on individual patients, but you know, generally, if you were to recommend someone do a bleach bath, how would they do it? How often? Every patient goes home with a bath sheet. Uh, so the parents know exactly what proportion of bleach to add, what proportion of bath oil and also I add salt to the bath as an anti-inflammatory, anti-sting. When I recommend a bleach bath, it's someone who has moderate widespread eczema, history of lots of infections or infected at the time that I see them. Children that aren't really responding to topical measures will also qualify for a bleach bath. And we say do it every day for a month and then we slowly wean off. 
um, to say every second day from month, every third day from month. But then we also encourage the parents to restart them if they have a flare. For example, if they go to grandma's and she has the heater up too high and then they have a flare of the eczema. So they might need bleach then added for another week. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So I might move on to another management, which is also very commonly used in eczema, which is our corticosteroid topical applications, whether it's creams, lotion, different kind of formulation. I guess the biggest question is, is there still fear or concern around using corticosteroid cream, particularly in kids? Yes. Um, So for the past 26 years, that has not diminished. So we published a paper on the real side effects of steroids and rebuffed most of these things. Cortisones, people fear them for the wrong reason. Sometimes they think they're more like anabolic steroids even, or that it's going to cause a thinning of the skin or for the eczema to rebound and flare, which is not true. Um, So we do recommend that they use a weaker one for the face and a stronger one for the body. And we use common sense approach. So if we say if the eczema is there, apply it. If it's not, don't and just moisturize. And we always say put a moisturizer over the top because it's a good time to do it while the child's there with you because otherwise they'll run off, get dressed or, you know, then the moisturizer won't be done. So it's more user-friendly as well to do it at that time. Yeah. So speaking of having to apply different products, probably on the same area. So how would you go about moisturizer, cream, like corticosteroid, yeah. which one first or how do you do it? So it's probably easier to put the steroid on first to the affected areas. And so what are the affected areas? So I instruct parents to apply it to any rough skin like sandpaper skin because that's active eczema and that's how it looks when it first starts or feels. Then it becomes more red and also itchy areas. So I'll instruct parents to put it on rough, um, red and itchy areas. And just to the affected areas, and then you apply moisturizer straight over the top everywhere. All right, that's a very good tip. So then let's say they're now happy to use the cream. And I have to say, in my training years as a pharmacist many years ago, we were told to advise the patient only use a thin layer. (laughs) I have to laugh. So I know that is no longer the case. So tell us how much to apply in terms of corticosteroid cream or any other um, topical um, agents. So once again, there's lots of treatments for these kids, um, lots of instructions to give to the parents. And there is the fingertip method. However, you know, that can be confusing as well because you, um, I think for clinicians as well as for parents. So we, so I will demonstrate how to put the creams on. And so we say put them on liberally. Half of them will probably get wiped off anyway with the child's clothes or uh, dribble, for exa- example. Uh, so we put it on liberally and then the moisturiser even more liberally over the top. I also say to the parents, if you follow the plan, you, the child should be 90% better within three to five days and then we can maintain it and help them grow out of the eczema. Great. So in terms of corticosteroid use, the key message is There's no concern using it, use it liberally, and perhaps use it with the moisturizer. Yes, uh, yeah, with the moisturizer over the top. And always use it if it's there and not if it's not there. So Emma, let's talk about some more common complications of eczema. Can you share with us what are some common ones? So unfortunately, leaching with eczema, there are many complications that arise. And the most common one is 
in, uh, infection. Now, these infections can be bacterial or even viral, so these children are more prone to viral infection, skin infections as well. Uh, so bacterial infections we talked about before, which was the staph, and if the eczema is not controlled properly, that can happen quite often for some children. So it's important to have a good management plan, skin control, and for these children to have regular bleach baths. For the viral infections, there's one called molluscum contagiosum, which is often caught in swimming pools, quite common. And unfortunately, these children with eczema can get hundreds of them. And the problem with this virus, it also flares the eczema, and then they can get a secondary infection or bacterial infection on the top of that. Oh, man, that will go in a cycle. Yes, that's right. And then all the other children in the house will get it as well. It's very contagious in water and towels, etc. And then there's another viral infection called herpes simplex virus, uh, which is a painful viral infection. And that can also occur more readily in children with eczema and more severe as well. Sometimes those children, particularly if it's near the eyes, will need an urgent appointment or um, presentation to emergency and see an ophthalmologist as soon as possible. And I know that we nowadays we tend to observe there's a trend of increasing allergy in, in kids. Yes. Um, what are your views around other allergy type um, complications with eczema? So you're right, Lee Chin. There is an increased risk also of these children with eczema to have food allergy. However, we don't ever encourage parents to eliminate foods unless they've, uh, they've had some support with an allergist or a dietitian. Also, it's, it is co- more common in Asian, Indian, Sri Lankan children, so they are at more risk of food allergy. And there's probably about a 20% risk of Caucasian babies having food allergy. So when you see kids with eczema, how do you approach these other types of potential allergy? Would you advise the parent to keep an eye out or would you advise them to actively seek test? How would you approach it? So it's a bit of both. So on the first consultation, I will talk about diet. Mother brings along a two-year-old child and says, oh, I think dairy might be flaring the eczema, but they've never really seen anyone before then. It would be very doubtful that dairy is a problem. Um, And it's more probably the problem is not having good management plan or there may be some environmental allergens also triggering off the eczema. So another thing is that allergies do not cause eczema. They trigger eczema like heat, prickle and dryness. The allergy babies tend to, or the eczema babies with allergy tend to be more red, more itchy, more resistant to the eczema getting better quickly with a good plan. And sometimes they can develop a carrier after having food. Uh, less common, you can also have anaphylaxis. Um, that can trigger the eczema off as well. So, uh, yeah, what we what I do is I review them. We talk about how the diet's going, if any foods are triggering the eczema off. And normally, if it's an IgE-mediated allergy, which causes the flare of the eczema to carry, et cetera, that happens within naught minute to two hours after ingestion of the food, and that might also be via the breast milk in some instances. All right. Well, thank you for that. So let's say we are trying to do all these management for the kid. Have you ever come across eczema that is still not well controlled, even though they are compliant with topical treatments? So what other options are there? 
Yes. So unfortunately, some children are a bit resistant to topical treatments and these are the children that um, we might increase the steroids, we might add wet dressings, we might put them in for a hospital stay. However, they're still, the eczema's still causing an impact on quality of life and not controlled, getting lots of infections. So these children may require, dependent on age, so not young age, but more the primary older age children, we might suggest UVB therapy, particularly if it's a type of eczema such as discoid eczema, um, and also immunosuppression. Uh, and these children, um, and there's some new biologics also that, have, that are now available for mm. some children. Yeah. So but keep in mind these are only about the top 5% of all children that will require these medications. Okay, so what you're saying is most of the time with good management plan, most of the children will not need these um, more advanced treatment. Yeah, so the aim is to have control and to grow out of it. Uh, and so with a good management plan, that's, you know, 90% of the time obtainable, achievable. That's very reassuring. I want to talk about parents who are often willing to try all sorts of things for their precious kids, including other types of alternative therapies. Are there any that you would or would not recommend? Yes, so a lot of parents uh, think that natural is better. So that includes putting plants, for example, like aloe vera. And we know that plant products can actually lead to flare of the eczema, irritant eczema, or even contact allergic eczema as a result of being sensitised to these products. So we recommend no plants in products. The other thing that parents think that might be a good idea is to have food products in moisturisers, for example. Um, but these, once again, um, can also flare the eczema, uh, particularly if the child is allergic to the food or maybe can cause an allergy they haven't even tried these foods orally. Because remember, food should always go in the mouth first, not via the skin first. Cortisone is actually probably the most natural thing that we can apply to the skin. And I think that also in supporting parents to know that um, the creams are the least strongest form of cortisone that you can get. Vitamin D is also an option for children with eczema. That's quite natural. We get it from the sun. But in Victoria, we don't get a lot. Okay. Well, we might took a turn here because I'm very interested to know how eczema impacts the kids, given that it really does affect their quality of life. Do you get asked about psychosocial impact of eczema on kids? And how do you answer or manage this? Yes. Yeah, so if you think, Leechin, that night after night, you've been waking up, you're tired, you're bumpy now. You're not coping with life very much. You feel rotten, so you behave rotten. So often these children will be very unhappy children. And then once the eczema's better and I see the parents and child on review, they're like, oh, he's such a happy boy. Oh, I had one child that was going to get kicked out of kinder because the child was so miserable and was acting out on the other children, so we got the eczema better and the kinder teachers couldn't believe the change in him. 
So often it's short-lived if we can get the eczema control, but then we can have a reduced self-esteem. Well, that's associated with such a visible disease. So once again, getting the eczema better will help that. But education is important for the, for the school teacher, for the kinder teacher, and also for the children. So we have had times where the teachers have spoken to the other children about eczema. So if we have education and information, then we're less likely to be afraid of something. You know, the impact on the parents are great, not only for time, but money. It has been shown to be more cost effective and reduce quality of life more than asthma and insulin dependent diabetes. So we need to give support uh, with that and prescribing the right medications rather than over-the-counter preparations rather than them searching around and wasting a lot of money on creams. It is something that affects the whole family. It's not just skin deep and it's yeah, really rewarding when you can actually help a family have a better quality of life and, and to be able to cope every day. That's right. And it really does sound like evidence is there that it can be well managed. And I think you're absolutely right that education for everyone who is carer of the kids, whether mm. it's kinder, teachers, siblings, parents, that everyone is informed of what eczema is and perhaps can empathize with the kid a little bit better. Yeah, so we've had some children, um, the siblings of children with uh, eczema, and um, they've lined up for creams and wet dressings as well because they didn't want to miss out on getting the attention from their parents. <laughs> oh, that is a good story. All right, we're coming to the end. And nowadays there are so much resources out there on the World Wide Web. I just wanted to get your top three resources that you would recommend for health professionals. Okay, so it's important for the health professional to be educated and to have the support and guidance, but it's also helpful for the health professional to know how to give the parents more education and guidance and support. So um, because in a consultation time, you can't do all the education you want to do. And it's also, as you know, Lee Chin, it's also important to provide extra education for the parents at home so what you've said to them sinks in a bit more and they learn a bit more. So for the health professional, at the RCH we have our CPGs and pre-referral guidelines to help with referring doctors and what they can actually do before they refer in and ways to refer in. The education hub, we have uh, eLearns. So we have the parent eLearn that's available on the dermatology department website for the parents. And we will be uh, publishing an eczema guideline for health professionals soon on our, um, our Education Hub website. I know that the kids' fact sheets are very popular and no doubt there will be one for eczema. All right. So thank you, Emma. That was very helpful to learn what we can in this short session about eczema. So thank you very much for sharing with us your expertise and insights. Great chatting with you. Thanks, Lee Chin, and you're very welcome. Thanks for listening to Conversation with the Experts, part of the Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast series. If you'd like to hear more of our podcast, check out our other podcast channel, Teach, Think, Treat, where we discuss aspects related to teaching and learning in a busy clinical setting.